One of science fiction's seminal works is The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Its premise is intriguing. What would it be like to be hidden from view? What would it be like to be invisible? At first, there would be the advantage of watching others without being noticed. But what would you do when the novelty wore off and the invisibility didn't? Would you become a prisoner of your own freedom? Or perhaps a madman bent on enslaving others? The novel was written in 1897 when the world believed that science could cure all ills. But as we will glean from the story of The Invisible Man, the achievements of the human mind are worthless without a human soul to guide them. Come with us now as Alien Voices explores the tragic life of a young scientist who seemed to be on the threshold of a brilliant future when something quite unexpected happened. Quiet down! Everyone, quiet down! Who's going to pay for my damages? Look at them! We'll get to that, Sutman. When? Why did he come to Art Town is what I want to know. That's exactly the question I want to know. Good question, Peter, and hopefully the inspector will be able to answer it. He was in my bedroom. I just know it. Wishful thinking, Alice. How dare you? And we know he's really gone. That's true. He could be here right now in this very room. My morning news is missing, and I know that. All right, that's enough, Dad. I'm talking. That's quite enough. Enough. Inspector Addy is here to answer all your questions. Inspector, speak. Go ahead, Inspector. Thank you, Mayor. Well, as you all know, I've been on the case from the moment he arrived in Port Stowe, and. The best that I've been able to piece together in these last few days is this. He was a very promising medical student, seemed destined for a brilliant future, but apparently, six months ago, around the time of his school graduation, things took a bit of a turn. Attention, please, oh, ladies and gentlemen, please. Attention. Thank you. <laughs> Settle down. The great arrogator is about to speak. Quiet, Taylor. Behave yourself. Thank you. Thank you. As the department chairman, I happily exercise the privilege of offering a toast to the class of 79. And as you prepare for commencement and your journey on life's adventure, may you always make our medical school proud. And may you make the 1880s the decade of discovery. So, I ask you now to raise your cups to the class of 79. The class of 79! <laughs> Uh, that rather 
ranks as the shortest lecture old Kemp has ever given. And mercifully the last. <laughs> Not counting graduation. <laughs> Two hours on hard benches. Don't remind oh, me. Well, speaking for myself, I intend to savor every moment of it. It may be a very long time before we're all together again. Well, unless we serve at the same hospital. Oh, perish the fuck. I will follow you to the end of the earth, Rebecca, just to be together. Uh, but by the way, where's Griffin? Wasn't he supposed to be here an hour ago? Yes, he was. He's a servant to science, our class Frankenstein. God knows where he's meddling now. Nonsense. He anticipated he might be delayed. He asked me to entertain Rebecca until he arrived. Yes, that's quite true. You're so considerate, Harder. And so entertaining. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop it. Perhaps he's here after all. Perhaps he's spying on us now. Where? We don't even know it. I mean, who's to say? If I were to kiss you, Rebecca, he would rise out of nowhere and watch me. Taylor, you're drunk. <laughs> Kissing drunk, I'll warrant. Mm. Taylor, you're incorrigible. <laughs> Not at all. I'm incorrigible. <laughs> but I apologize only for myself. The wine is beyond forgiveness. You are beyond forgiveness, but I love you anyway. Now, if you'll excuse me. Oh, 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 don't, 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 don't. Rebecca, Rebecca. What, Harding? I don't want anyone to get the impression that you're here alone. No, but I am alone. Despite your thoughtfulness, I am very much alone. Griffin assured me he would he would only be delayed an hour. Uh, Care for something? Just punch, thank you. Surely there's an explanation for his absence. There's always an explanation. I'm, I'm doing, doing research. research. Yes. You're quite right, but he is brilliant. Professor Kemp said... No, it's always Kemp, the arrogator. <laughs> the grand arrogator. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds funny, doesn't it? But do you ever wonder if it's true? Who's to tell? All I know is I keep my research to myself, and so should Griffin. So should I what? Herbert. Oh, finally. I should have guessed where there's food, there's Harding. <laughs> Hello, Griffin. I come bearing profuse apologies and a flower for my love. Oh. Harding, you don't get one. Oh, oh Herbert, it's lovely. It's so delicate. Why, it's almost transparent. You noticed. Let me pin it on your dress. Where did you find such a thing? A doctor is supposed to be resourceful. And punctual. This is where I excuse myself. Harding, you're a dear. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you could make it, Griffin. Enjoy yourself for a change. That I will. Tonight is a very special night. Rebecca, will you dance with me? What? Dance? You? Of course. It's a party, isn't it? Well, this is a first. Have you been drinking? Don't be so cynical. Now, <clears throat> remind me, though. Uh, how's it done? Right foot, left foot? <laughs> Never mind. I'll leave. <laughs> I knew you'd understand. Oh, oh. Watch the shoes. They're new. Not bad, eh? For a scientific recluse. Rebecca, I love you. Yeah, that's not so bad. No, I mean it. Uh, this might not be the perfect place, but it is the perfect time yes. to talk about our future. <laughs> Would you watch Can out where you're going? Bates, <laughs> 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 do you believe it? Griffin's actually not dead. Not now, Taylor. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the kiss, Rebecca. It was the wine. Taylor, please. What's he talking about? <laughs> never mind, Bates. Help us out. Don't you see we want to be alone? What kiss? Oh, never mind, Herbert. He's drunk. Bates. Oh, all right. Come on, Taylor. There must be somebody else in this gathering you haven't insulted yet. Dr. Frankenstein. What's that supposed to mean? Herbert, Herbert. Let's go out to the park.
That's much better. Now, what were you saying? Those fools. Oh, they're teasing you, darling. Don't be so upset. If he spent a little more time with his studies and less with the bottle... Herbert, Herbert, stop it. Let's not ruin the evening. You're right. You're right. I mustn't let my temper get the better of me. Certainly not tonight. I quite agree. I've had a breakthrough, Rebecca. What? You know that up until now, my greatest obstacle has been the physical nature of tissue. Oh, Herbert. No, just listen, just for a moment. And that the hospital wards are filled with people who've been injured in accidents, horribly disfigured, shunned by society. Could we please not discuss your research just this once? Rebecca, imagine what it would be like if you could look at those poor wretches without noticing the injury, without seeing the disfigurement. What a blessing. What are you talking about? I made a discovery last night that could render physical deformities invisible. How? In a way, I have Professor Kemp to thank. Kemp? If he hadn't distracted me, I would never have had a breakthrough. I didn't know he was helping you. Well, he he paid me a visit late last night. That's when it happened. Yes, yes, who is it? It's Dr. Kemp. Oh, yes, well, I'm I'm coming. Just just a moment. I knew I'd find you burning the midnight oil. Well, do come in. I'm I'm just in the middle of a of a procedure. As always. I, I'm afraid I don't keep a very tidy laboratory. Well, all right, as long as you keep orderly notes. Oh, that I do. In these journals. Good, good. Now, Griffin, I've come to discuss something that's been on my mind for a while. Yes? I'd say it's been a good year for you, wouldn't you agree? Well, yes. And yet you've not completed your research. I, I know, Doctor. It's just that, well, I mean, everything's so complicated, so time-consuming, yet, yet I know I'm close. Yes, yes, I believe you. I believe you. Still, I'd hate to see your fine work come to an end just because it's time to graduate, time to leave. I quite agree. So, so, what would you say to staying and being my assistant for the long term? Now, how does that sound, my boy? Well, I'm... Uh, <laughs> of course, you'd have some teaching responsibilities, grading of papers, but, but the facilities of the medical school would be at your disposal, and your research would be uninterrupted. I don't know what to say. You would make a modest salary at first, but that would improve, and we'd have an opportunity to collaborate. Collaborate? Yes, yes. But uh, look, you don't have to give me your answer now. You just you think about it. You'll be at the festivities tomorrow night, I trust. Uh, Yes, yes, I will. Good, good, good. I'll see you then. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. Thank you so much. Now, mind you, I won't take no for an answer. Well, that was unexpected. Solves one problem while creating another. Damn. Oh, damn, how could I? So stupid. Ouch. A whole day's work ruined. I can't believe I would have let this happen. Damn! What? What happened? My experiment for the day was beyond repair. You see, at the precise moment when Kemp walked in, I was in the process of staining a microbial specimen. The procedure called for gently heating the mixture to set the stain. But when I returned, the solution was boiling. The microbes were dead, of course, and my day's work was destroyed. I I was about to throw out the entire sample when... From an inspiration known only to Providence, I applied the tainted chemical solution to a batch of fresh microbes. To my utter amazement, as I watched under the microscope, they began to disappear. You mean they dissolved? No, no. They vanished. 
A at least, at first I thought they did. Y yet, I had an inkling there might still be something there, but, but I had no easy way to prove it, so I decided to experiment on something larger, something that I could see and touch. An earthworm. Oh, th th this is all too fantastic. And then a flower. The flower you get... Oh, Herbert, it's gone. It must have fallen off. Not at all. Give me your hand. Can you feel the petals? Oh, why, yes. And it still has its fragrance. Oh, Herbert, this is remarkable. Yes. <laughs> remarkable indeed. Your friend Griffin has a marvelous opportunity. I hope he has the presence of mind to take advantage of it. Ah, uh, we, we were just discussing it, <laughs> Professor Kim. I'll see you in the morning in my office. Yes. And we'll discuss your appointment. This is a breakthrough day for you, Griffin. Congratulations. Thank you. Was he out here on the balcony all along? I have no idea. I didn't see him. What do you think he knows? I don't know. I don't know how he could. You're not seriously considering being his assistant, are you? Why not? Why not? You know what everybody says about him. The arrogator. The great arrogator. Oh, that's rubbish. Universities don't give tenure to plagiarists, much less thieves. Well, he's a hack. He latches onto his most talented students to further his own reputation. You don't know that, Rebecca. Oh, be careful is what I say. Just be careful. Oh, come, walk me home. I, I feel uncomfortable here. So you see, Rebecca, the possibilities are limitless. I've already made the first step, albeit the invisibility only lasts for a little while. But if I could unravel the whole of the mystery, just think of what it would mean. Of course, there are the medical applications, but just imagine what else. Invisible spies for ending war. Invisible police for catching criminals. In invisible policemen? Isn't that a little strange? What if your phenomenal discovery were to fall into the wrong hands? Oh, I wouldn't let it. I well, wouldn't let you it. You might not be able to stop it. Are you saying I shouldn't continue? No, of course not. But think of the implications, the responsibility. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know, I know. Rebecca, I want you to be part of all this. I want our lives to go on together. Together? As husband and wife. Do you really, Herbert? What does that mean? Uh, I've been thinking about us a great deal of late, and I don't know whether I'm ready to live a life alone. As it is, we only see each other once or twice a week, and that's mostly at my insistence. That's not quite fair. Oh, you're always working, which is wonderful, but in a way you are already married to your laboratory. Why would a wedding ring make it any different? We would work together. I, I expect to be a great scientist someday. And so you shall, darling. But there needs to be a place for both us and the work. Now, it's late. I must go in. Think about what I've said when you go to bed tonight. I'll think about it, but I won't be in bed. Y you won't? No, I have to go back to the laboratory and work through the night. I, I have to finish. Well, there you have well, it. Well, I don't want to, but I must. Good night, Herbert. Good night. You startled me. What are you doing in my laboratory? Well, <laughs> I thought if, 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 if we're going to be collaborating, it would be best if I were more up-to-date with your research. But that was a discussion for tomorrow. Why are you here now? 
Where is your Miss Goddard? What are you looking for? As your faculty advisor, I'm not looking for anything. I, I have the right to peruse your work. I, I have the obligation. What do you have in your hands? Give me those papers. See here. These are my notes. You're copying my notes. Don't use that tone of voice with me. Then it's true what they say about you. I, I, I can't believe it. I, I respected you. Griffin, you're jumping to conclusions. How long have you been doing this? It's obviously time for me to leave. Make way. You're a fraud. You steal from the students who trusted you. I am a tenured professor. And if you continue in this manner, my generous offer will be withdrawn. Your offer to collaborate? What a joke. I shall file charges against you. We'll see who files charges against whom, Mr. Griffin. I warn you, do not make an enemy of me. Get out. Get out of my laboratory. Empty your pockets and slink into the night. How dare you? Keep your hands off me. You've been coming here every night, haven't you? You've been copying my notes every night. Watch your temper. Get out. Unhand me. Unhand me. Then stay out. Several days later, instead of attending graduation, Griffin confronted Kemp at a specially convened meeting of the university regents. This special departmental hearing is now called to order. I needn't inform you, Mr. Griffin, how unusual your charges are, especially against a man like Dr. Kemp. I am here to prevent other students from being victimized by this charlatan. Let's not forget where we are, young man. You shall have your say, and it shall be in an orderly fashion. Now, let's proceed. And I warn you, Griffin, there'll be no name-calling. There he was, going through my research and copying. Always undisciplined, unable to accept guidance. At first, I couldn't believe the rumors about its ethics. As his faculty advisor, I uncovered certain instances of, well, malfeasance. Complete complete fabrication. Reimbursement vouchers. Highly... A man who has the student's trust. Not only duplicate accounts, but medical school equipment he sold for personal profit. Lies! And who knows what grotesque experiments he is preparing in the darkness of his These are all fabrications to throw you off. I regret ever setting eyes on Herbert Griffin. A bad influence and a discredit to the medical school. Herbert Griffin, the Regents Committee, after careful deliberation, finds against you. You have brought disgrace upon the university by your private indiscretions and public charges. We are therefore compelled to dismiss you from the university without benefit of graduation. A mark has been placed against your name, and you shall never be licensed as a medical physician now or in the future. What? What? Have you lost your minds? Can't you see the truth in front of your faces? Don't you see anything? We expel you! Disgrace! We expel you! Disgrace! We expel you! Harding. You have nothing to do with this. And you lost your reason? You'll only make matters worse. What's going on? 
It's Griffin. Listen to him. He's, he's destroying the laboratory. Get Rebecca as fast as you can. They'll have his head for this. Oh, they already do. Don't make it worse for yourself, Griffin. Worse? I'm in complete disgrace. Everything I've worked for, it's all lost. I have no future. You're not in disgrace with your friends. We know you've done nothing wrong. He's stolen everything from me. My research, my good name. How could I live this down? I should kill myself. Griffin, now get a hold of yourself. Look, look, Rebecca's come. At least listen to her. Quickly, Rebecca, he's talking suicide. Get him to open the door. Oh, this is terrible. It's just what Kemp wants. Darling, it will all work itself out. Open the door. Open the door. Stay out of this, Rebecca. It's better that you have nothing to do with me. Don't say that. I love you. Now, come out before you make matters worse. This will all be resolved. I'm sure of it. I'm finished. My career is finished. That's not true. There's always an appeal. Surely the truth will come out. Now stop what you're doing and open the door. What is this? What's happening? What's going on here? All this commotion. It's nothing. What's happening in there? Open the door. Open the door, I say. Is that you, Kemp? Yes. Open up. Well, you're going to have to come up with your own ideas now, won't you? How dare you? All right, everyone, stand back. What's the trouble? It's Griffin, the one who's been thrown out for lying and stealing. He's barricaded himself in the laboratory. He's destroying it. Just listen. We'll take care of that. Stand back. <coughs> Let me your shoulder here, Professor. Right, here, now. <coughs> Once more. <coughs> Again. <coughs> Look at this. Look at this destruction. Outrageous. Robert, where are you? Show yourself, Griffin. He's not here. Search for him. He's got to be somewhere. The room's obviously empty, Professor. Well, it can't be. Search the cabinets. He's crawled into one like a rat. I'm telling you, he's not here. Although it is strange. How could he just disappear? The man's an outlaw. This vandalism only proves that he should be hunted down. He should be in prison, not on the streets. Never. I say never will he be able to show his face. Herbert. Where are you? Where are you, darling? I'm right next to you, Rebecca. I love you. Wait for me. Seven months later, toward the end of February, a stranger came to the village of Ipping. Witnesses say that he walked from the railway station through a biting wind and driving snow. He was wrapped from head to foot, and the brim of his felt hat hid every inch of his face, except the shiny pink tip of his nose. The snow had piled itself on his shoulders and added a white crest to the burden he already carried. He staggered into the coach and horses inn, seemingly more dead than alive. A fire! In the name of human charity, a room... And a fire. Right. Here you go, sir. Oh, my. Look at you. Follow me right up the stairs. We have a lovely room overlooking the garden. Although there's not much to see in this weather, what with the snow and everything. But we'll have you warm as soon as the fire gets going. And I promise I'll lay out a good meal for you whenever you like. Now, come over here by the fireplace, sir. Let me have your hat and your coat. And don't forget your muffler. I'll give them a good dry in the kitchen. No. I... I prefer to keep them on. Really? 
You'll catch your death of cold in those wet clothes. Surely you want to take them off. No, thank you. Oh, all right then. Would you care for supper now? Yes. Yes, immediately. All right. I'll set your vittles on the table over here. Be back in a jiffy. Aside from the wet clothes, Mrs. Hall noticed that the stranger wore big blue spectacles with side flaps and had a high coat collar that completely hid his cheeks and face. When she returned with the food, the stranger was still standing in the middle of the room like a man of stone, his back hunched, hiding his face and ears completely. <coughs> Here's your supper, then. Oh, thank you. Now, now if you don't mind... Oh, well, yes. What? Hmm. If you don't need me, then. I don't. Thank you. No sooner had Mrs. Hall returned to the kitchen than she remembered she had forgotten the condiments. Over of high degree When I'm drinking Always thinking how to... Well, strike me if I didn't forget to bring you. <gasps> Don't you knock before entering a private room. I'm sorry, sir. I'm dreadfully sorry. I... I... For a moment, Mrs. Hall was too startled to speak. The stranger was seated at the table, his meal before him. He held the napkin over the lower part of his face so that his mouth and chin were completely hidden. But it was not that which astonished Mrs. Hall. It was the fact that all his forehead above his blue goggles was wrapped in a white bandage and that another bandage covered his ears, leaving not a scrap of his face exposed except his shiny pink nose. Well? I... I... Yes, spit it out! I... I brought the mustard. <sighs> Just leave it. Do you still want to keep your coat? No, go ahead and take it. But leave the hat. I didn't know that you... I mean... I'm sorry, sir. You can go now. Yes, of course. I just... Thank you. Oh, Teddy. Huh? The poor soul's had an accident or an operation or something. Mm -hmm. You should see him. His whole head is completely bandaged. Oh. Well, the only thing you can clearly see is the tip of his nose. Oh, now, wife, leave the poor man alone. It's bad enough him being out in this blizzard. No use you giving him a hard time over his looks. Wait till you see them bandages. Well, that's the difference. I don't intend to. And the goggles. Huh? Why, he looked more like a diving helmet than a human man. Oh. And holding that handkerchief over his mouth oh. all the time, talking through it. Oh, perhaps his mouth was hurt. Oh. I never thought of that. Oh, it's too horrible. If you pay more attention to running this establishment, unless your imagination... All I can say is, if I satisfy one, I'll satisfy the other. Oh, dear. Later, when Mrs. Hall went in to clear away the stranger's supper... She found him sitting in the darkest corner of the room, smoking a pipe. Mrs. Hall, I... I had to leave my luggage at the railway station. Would you be so kind as to arrange to have it fetched here tonight? Oh, I'm afraid not, sir. In this storm? Oh, no, never. The coachman had an accident a year ago, and he never ventures out after dark. It was terrible. Had to have an operation, he did, to put him right. Yes, an operation. Quite a bad operation. And no laughing matter for those of us who had to change his bandages. I don't have to tell you, but bandages can come undone. Uh, hand so... me those matches. My, my pipe has gone out. Oh, yes, sir. 
Here you are, sir. As I was saying, If you don't mind, I'd like to be alone right now. Oh, yes, of course. I quite understand. Oh, I nearly forgot. If you happen to feel lonely, which we all do sometimes, we congregate every evening down in the parlor with a little nightcap. Thank you. Now, please, I would like to enjoy my room alone. Of course, Mr... Good night. I say, Teddy. What's that, Millie? I wonder if you'd do me a wee favor. I will if there's a pint on the other end. A pint? And here you are, my husband. That's why I need the pint. Oh, Teddy. (laughs) I was just in a gentleman's room, and I was wondering if you would give the old clock a bit of a look. No matter what time it chimes, the hand is always stuck at six. In the gentleman's room, you say? Yes. You sure about this? Oh, Teddy. Be a love. There's more where that came from. All right, I'll have a look then, but I still want my pint. Oh, Teddy. Mm -hmm. Since there was no answer, Teddy let himself in. He could see the visitor dozing in the armchair before the fire, his bandaged head drooping to one side. For a moment, it seemed to Teddy that the man had an enormous mouth. A vast and incredible mouth that swallowed the whole of his jaw. But how could that be? As the stranger woke, he quickly covered the lower part of his face with the blanket. Excuse me, sir, I didn't mean to wake you. I'm Mr. Hall, uh, Teddy, if you will. I've just come to look at the clock. Uh, Yes. Uh I understood from your wife that this room was to be mine for my own private use. Well, I thought, sir, you'd prefer that the clock be fixed. Yes, 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 but as a rule, I must be left alone and undisturbed. If the clock is to be seen, too, so be it. Well, thank you, sir. I'll just have a look. When you're finished, I would like to have some tea. Oh, yes, sir. I'll tell the missus. (laughs) And, uh, is it true that tomorrow morning is the earliest that I can get my luggage? Oh, I'm afraid so, sir. See, what with the storm and all. Then perhaps I should explain what I was too cold and fatigued to explain earlier. Ah. Would you ask your wife to come in here, seeing how she would very likely contrive an excuse to do it anyway? What? I'll I'll get her. Uh, uh, Look here, Millie! A gentleman's asked for you to come up. Step lively, then. I'm coming. I'm coming. She's coming. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I have a few things to say. First, you should know that I'm an experimental investigator. Indeed, sir. And that my luggage contains scientific apparatus and appliances. Needless to say, I'm very anxious to get on with my inquiries. Of course, sir. I... Had an accident not long ago. I thought as much. Stay still, Millie. Let the man talk. And my reason for coming to this inn is solitude. Of course. My eyes are sometimes so weak and so painful that I, I must shut myself in the dark for hours. The slightest disturbance, anyone entering the room, is unacceptable. Certainly. So then, if my stay here is to be successful, it must be undisturbed. Now, if I may be so bold... Yes, yes, yes. Two months' rent. In advance. Two months? (laughs) In advance? My, my. That'll be all. But exactly what kind of accident? Uh, Millie, my wife and I understand. You'll be undisturbed. Come on, Millie, come on. Aren't you forgetting something? What's that? The clock. Oh! Oh, all right you are, sir. And, uh, just, there we go. <laughs> Let's hope that does it. <laughs> good night. Good night. Oh, uh-huh. good night. Good night. Good night. Yes. Good night, Millie. Come on, Millie. Come on. 
And so it was that on the 29th day of February, this singular person came out of a storm and into the lives of these simple people. The next day, his luggage arrived at the inn, and you can well imagine he was there to meet it. Mr. Fearnside's cart was announced by Mr. Fearnside's dog, which as soon as it caught sight of the stranger, leapt at the man's leg, tearing his trousers. The stranger rushed back into the inn, unhurt but shaken. The crates were carried upstairs into the stranger's room. It's been established that the moment the men left, he attacked the boxes with a crowbar and extracted the contents, which had been packed in straw. There were little fat bottles containing powders, small and slender bottles containing colored and white fluids, fluted bottles labeled poison, bottles with round bodies and slender necks, large green glass bottles, large white glass bottles, bottles with stoppers and frosted bottles, bottles with fine corks, bottles with wooden caps, wine bottles, salad oil bottles. Uh, uh, yes, well, he arranged the bottles neatly about his room and then scattered the straw on the floor. When Mrs. Hall took him his supper that evening, the stranger was already so absorbed in his work that he didn't hear her knocking. And it wasn't until she had swept the straw away from the door and put the large tray on the table that... Oh, I wish you wouldn't come in here without knocking. I did knock. You didn't? Yes, I did. Twice. Well, well, perhaps you did. But to my work, the slightest disturbance, even the jarring of the door, I, I must ask you, please... Certainly, sir. You can turn the lock if you like. A very good idea. But before you do, I just wanted to know about the straw you have all over my floor. If the straw disturbs you, put it on the bill. In which case, I should like to know how much would be reasonable. Whatever you want, just leave me alone. Well, very well, but I just want Leave to... me alone! For the next two days, the stranger kept his door locked and worked around the clock. There is no question in my mind that he was at this stage already desperate. Go on. Three hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. The multitude. Teddy, come listen to this. Jason, all my life it's going to take me. I will never come back. To never be seen again. What have I done? What have I done? How long has this been going on? Better part of the morning. What am I to do? What am I to do? Are you all right in there? Leave me alone. Do you want us to call the doctor? Go away! Leave me alone! These outbursts would come and go regardless of the time of day. They would last for a few minutes or a few hours with no explanation. There were also a few altercations with Mrs. Hall on matters of hygiene. But in every case, the stranger's will prevailed until the middle of April, when he began to show signs of penury. Initially, he was able to distract Mrs. Hall by the easy promise of an extra payment, but when none was forthcoming, she became as short-tempered as her lodger. Then a curious thing happened. The stranger began to venture from the inn never in daylight hours, always bundled up regardless of the weather and always choosing the loneliest path. Needless to say, 
the town folk found his movements rather unsettling. Of course, it was inevitable that such an individual should become a frequent topic of conversation in such a small village. However, Mrs. Hall was uncharacteristically discreet. When questioned by her neighbors, she explained that her guest was... An experimental investigator. The poor man had an accident which temporarily discolored his face and his hands. He's mysterious, but he minds his own business, which is more than I can say from any others in this town. Whatever else they thought of the stranger, my investigations tell me that the people in the village all agreed on one thing. They disliked him and kept their distance. Except a certain Dr. Cuss, the local physician, who was devoured by curiosity. When he could stand it no longer, Cuss came to the inn unannounced, went straight up the stairs, and rapped on the stranger's door. What is it now? Pardon my intrusion, friend. Uh, I, I, I couldn't help, but... Um, Who are you? My name is Dr. Cuss, and I'm... Well, I'm, yes, I'm a doctor. And I, uh, I was wondering if you might like to make a modest contribution to... Um, a doctor, are you? All right, come in. Come in if you must. Doctor. Oh, thank you. Uh, you see... The Nurses Fund is such a worthy cause that if there were ever an opportunity to be involved in such a... Um... <laughs> if Cuss had been a cat, he would have been dead. As it was, he paid for his curiosity with only a few years of his life. Saints preserve us! Show me the door! The door! <laughs> Stand aside! Let me out! Let me out! <laughs> Dr. Cuss bolted from the room, down the stairs, startling Mrs. Hall, out of the inn and straight to the Episcopal Church. In God's name, I must speak with you. Dr. Cuss, in God's name you shall. Tell me first, am I mad? What? No, 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 please. Do I look... Insane. Well, not at all. Now, what's happened? It's the chap at the end. Oh, the experimenter. Of course, the experimenter. Who else? Well? I visited the stranger this afternoon on the pretext of obtaining a subscription for the nurses' fund. Oh, you did, did you? Yes. The moment I entered, I tried to shake hands with him. But he stuck his hands into his pockets. <laughs> I told him... I'd heard he took an interest in scientific things. He said, yes, and he sniffled. He kept on sniffling. He apparently caught a cold. I mean, no wonder he wrapped up like that. But I kept my eyes open, charting his room. And bottles, chemicals everywhere, and the smell of evening primrose. Would he contribute? Said he'd consider it. So I asked him, point blank, was he engaged in research? He said he was. A long research? A damnable long research, he said. Got quite cross. Just then, a wind came through the window and blew a piece of paper from his desk into the fire. And he rushed over to fetch it. Out came his arm. Oh, pass me the sherry. Oh, it's uh, not really sherry. No, no, never mind. I'll drink it anyway. <clears throat> well. There was no arm. No hand. 
just an empty sleeve. And Lord, I thought, what a deformity. Got a cork arm, I suppose, and he's taken it off. And then I thought, there's something odd here. What the devil keeps that sleeve open if there's nothing in it? Well, uh, perhaps you were mistaken. I mean, perhaps it was an illusion. An illusion, my eye. Well, uh, it was empty, I tell you. There was the faint light shining through a hole in his sleeve so that I could see right down to the elbow. Good God, I said. He then stared at me with those, those blue goggles of his and then down at his sleeve. And he never said a word. He just glared and put his sleeve right back in his pocket. He acted as though nothing had happened. Of course, I'd noticed, you know. How the devil can you move an empty sleeve like that? I said. Empty sleeve? Yes, an empty sleeve. And then very deliberately, he pulled his sleeve out of his pocket, raised it in front of me until it was six inches from my face. And then, yes, something pinched my nose. Stop it! It's all very well for you to laugh, but I tell you, something pinched my nose, oh, and there wasn't anything there. I was so startled, I slapped his cuff away, and I fled the room for dear life. Please stop laughing. I'm asking you again, Reverend Punting. Am I insane? Or what? What? <laughs> Having dispensed with Dr. Cuss, the stranger descended the stairs to the pub. Mrs. Hall had, in the meantime, on account of all the commotion, sent for Constable Jaffers, who arrived within minutes. Mrs. Hall. Is it your bill you're wanting, sir? Why wasn't my meal brought up? And why haven't you been answering my bells? Do you think I live without eating? Why isn't my bill paid? That's what I want to know. I told you three days ago I was waiting a remittance. And I told you two days ago I wasn't going to wait no remittances. If I have to go without money, you can go without food. Look here, good woman. Don't good woman me. Teddy! Teddy, come in here! I have told you that my funds haven't arrived yet. Funds, indeed. Nevertheless, in my pocket. Pocket? You told me two days ago that you didn't have a cent in your pocket. Well, I found some. I wonder where... What do you mean by that? That I wonder where you found it, so convenient-like. Well, what's the problem, Millie? How dare you! Before I make any more meals or do any such things, you've got to tell me one or two things I don't understand, and what nobody don't understand, and what everybody is very anxious to understand. What is that? I want to know what you've been doing to my chair. What? And why are the drapes always pulled? And what did you do to Dr. Cuss that scared him so? And mind you, no funny business, because the policeman's just arrived. Stop! You don't understand who I am or what I am. You leap to conclusions that only celebrate your ignorance. Well, do you want to know? Do you? Then I'll show you. By heaven, I'll show you who I am. The stranger put his gloved hand to his face, gripped his nose, and then withdrew it with a flourish. What had once been a nose was now nothing but a black cavity. He stepped forward and grabbed Mrs. Hall's hand. Here. Oh. <gasps> she pulled her hand back, 
The nose, the stranger's nose, pink and metallic, fell from her palm onto the floor. Then the stranger turned to the patrons in the bar and removed his goggles. Next, he took off his hat and with a violent gesture tore at his bandages. For a moment, the wrapping wouldn't yield. Then off they came. It was worse than anyone could imagine. They were prepared for scars, disfigurements, mutations, but nothing. The stranger was a solid, visible figure from the floor up to his collar, shoes, pants, overcoat, then nothing, nothing, no head at all. See here, mister, enough of your parlor tricks. As an officer of the law, I'm going to have to arrest you. Head or no head? What the devil for? What are the charges? If you don't have no head, you don't need no charges, officer. That's enough, Mrs. Hall. Do your duty. Stay out of this, Millie. Are you coming peaceably, sir? Stay away from me. Grab him! Oh, oh, get his hands! Get his hands! Somebody get your arms around him! Somebody get his feet! All right! All right! All right! I surrender. Good gracious, where are your wrists? I say, how can I use my handcuffs if you don't have any hands? <laughs> Why, they're right here. And see what they're doing. Look, he's unbuttoning his coat. <laughs> he's taking off his clothes. All but his shoes. Somebody <laughs> stop him. Oh, be there's nothing underneath. Just empty clothes. <gasps> he's invisible. Don't give us any more trouble, Mr. Uh, where are you? Ouch. Keep your fingers out of my face. Just because I'm invisible is no reason I should be poked to pieces by every stupid bumpkin in town. Why, in all my years, I... You know, it's strange, I, isn't it, I admit, but it's not a crime. So why am I being assaulted? You may be a bit difficult to see in this light, but I got a suspicion of a more serious nature, and it ain't no invisibility. It's burglary. There's a few shops been broken into and money took... Well? And circumstances point to you, wherever you are. Nonsense. I hope so, sir, for your sake. But I've got my duty. All right, all right, but no handcuffs. It's the regular thing. No handcuffs. I insist. Oh, no, you don't. Have a look at this. Now he's taken off his shoes. No, then stop that. Keep those shoes on and stay in one place. Stop him. No! He punched me! Teddy, are you hurt? Oh, I think so. Don't let him loose! Don't let him loose now! I've got something! Here he is! Oh. Oh. Close the door! Look, look, look! The window's open! Quick, he's climbing out! Don't let him get out! Get him! There's nothing here. Now we're too late. He's gone. He must have jumped out. Oh, oh, the door. He tricked us. He went out the front door. Now what do we do? I can't believe it. He got away. He got away. The invisible man's got away. While all this commotion was going on at the inn, a mile and a half out of town, a certain Mr. Thomas Marvel was quietly sitting by the roadside with his feet in a ditch. He wore an elegant high hat, which looked out of place with his tattered clothes. He was contemplating two pair of boots resting beside him. One was the soundest pair of boots he had come across in a very long time, but they were too large, whereas the pair he already had were a good fit, but too thin-soled. 
Well, why don't you show yourself then? That is precisely my problem. I'm invisible. Anyone can say that. Now, come on. Where are you hid? Right in front of you. You're looking clear through me. You see? Invisible. I'm on an open road. Nothing visible for miles except the bosom of nature. And then comes Quiet. a voice from heaven. Quiet. Quiet. Calm yourself. I've chosen you. Do you understand? You have been chosen. And for the first time in your miserable life, you have a reason for living. I, I do. You. You will be my helper. And I will do great things for you. An invisible man is a man of power. But if you betray me... Ow! If you fail me... Ow! I'll make your life a living hell. <coughs> Stop. Stop it, please. I, I, I don't want to betray you, Mr. Le don't you go to thinking that. Whatever you do. Now, all I want to do is help you. Just, just tell me what I, I got to do. Whatever you want done, I'll do it. Well, <laughs> I knew you'd see it my way. Now put on your boots. I don't care which pair. And come along. <laughs> The village was so preoccupied with the discovery of the invisible man that no one bothered to notice Frankie Marvel standing in the garden outside the coach and horses inn. He was positioned directly below what had until two hours ago been the stranger's room. I'll just hold on to his belongings till he settles his bill. Fair's fair, isn't it, Dr. Cross? Yes, certainly. Have a look at this book, Reverend. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. It seems to be some sort of a diary. More like a journal. No name on the flyleaf. Just ciphers and figures. No diagrams. No illustrations either. If you find any money, I have first call. 
Fair is fair, I always say. I don't run a charity. I'll be in the kitchen. These scribblings are Greek. How is your Greek, Reverend? Uh, well, I'll try. Uh, now, where, where did I put my glasses? I... Good heavens, what's wrong? Help me! Bunting, Bunting, what is it? Don't move, or I'll brain you both. It's him! He's joking me! I hate people prying into my private journals. Now sit down, both of you! Where are my clothes? How should God we know? help us, we, the devil's Stay away from that door and listen to me. I'm a fairly strong man besides being invisible, and I have an iron poker handy, and there is not the slightest doubt that I could kill you both and get away with it easily if I wanted to. Do you understand? I said, do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So you're not going to try any nonsense? No. Good, no. good. Now listen to me. When I came into this room, I expected to find my journals and my clothes. Where are they? They're here on the table. I can see my journals, you idiot. Where are my clothes? Well, we're... Mrs. Oh, Hall, never to... mind, never mind. Hand me the tablecloth. While all this was going on upstairs, Teddy Hall had become aware of Mr. Marvel loitering suspiciously in the garden. He then saw a parcel wrapped in a white tablecloth tumbling down through the air into the man's outstretched arms. Teddy was sure he had just witnessed petty larceny. Stop! Thief! Stop him before he gets away! Teddy was out of the inn in a flash and had hardly begun to give chase when something kicked his legs out from under him. And then the ground rushed up to his face. Oh, darn! The invisible man continued to aid in the escape of his confederate by breaking all the windows in the inn. Then he proceeded down the street and threw a rubbish container through Mrs. Gribble's parlor window. And it must have been he who cut the telegraph wire, although that's never been proven. The villagers were terrified. <laughs> Catch me if you can! Catch me if you can! <laughs> After that, the invisible man vanished. Absolutely. Marvel. Oh. You got the first part of my plan right. You made off with my journals. Just as you told me, sir. Then you improvised and tried to escape my service, didn't you? Well, I... Uh... But you didn't know I was right beside you, did you? You reminded me quick enough of the shoulders a mass of bruises. If you ever try to give me the slip again, Marvel, if you ever attempt to give me the slip again... Lord, no. On my honor, I will kill you. I didn't try to give you the slip, sir. No, sir, I, I swear 
I didn't. I lost my way. That was all. Quiet. I've never been here before. I, I lost my way on Quiet. the road. Yes. Yes. What, what am I to do now? <laughs> Sad fact is, I will have to keep making use of you. You're a poor tool, but I must. Right, you are. I, I'm the worst possible tool you could have. Oh, shut up. I'm not strong. Shut up, I say. I, I, my shut up. heart's weak. That, that business back there, I pulled through, mind you, but I, I could have dropped. I'll inspire you, Marvel. I wish you wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't like to mess up your plans, you know, but, but I might. You better not. I tell you, I, I'm not the right man. Whatever you got in your head, I, I'm not the right man, respectfully. Don't stop complaining, so help me. You'll discover pain that you didn't know you could have. Now... We're going to go into the next town, and you will follow my orders exactly. Is that understood? Yes, yes, I understand. Good. Now get moving. The distance to Briarton is not far. Marvel and his invisible companion covered it with alacrity. Extraordinary things began to happen the instant they arrived. People on St. Michael's Lane were astounded at seeing a cluster of coins floating down the street in midair like fireflies. Further down the lane, a shopkeeper snatched at a fistful of paper money as it levitated from his cash drawer. All about the village, from the tills of small shops to the registers of large establishments, money was quietly escaping. It floated along walls and shady places, dodging the hands of men who tried to grab at it. Eventually, it was all deposited at the outskirts of the village into the pockets of that agitated gentleman, Mr. Marvel. Here, put this in your pocket. If I get caught with all this money, it, it'll be me, the hang. Oh, stop your complaining. Oh, this is all too much, being shadowed by somebody who don't even cast a shadow. And, and now stolen money, it's, it's affected my health. Not as much as I will if you don't stop complaining. D do you mind if, if I ask something? I mean, that is, if you've got a minute between beating and kicking. What? What? What does your feeble mind want to know? How did you get your clothes to be invisible, too? If it's any of your business, they're not invisible. And how come I can't see them? Because I'm not wearing any, you idiot. <laughs> you mean you're running around in your all together? Now, what does it look like? <laughs> so, if I jumped into this briar patch over here... I wouldn't do that if I were you. I bet you wouldn't follow me. Now, stop your prattling. And if I threw you into the nettles like this! You see? See, you ain't so clever after all. I'll believe in you now, Mr. Invisible Man. And I think I'll take these precious journals of yours as payment for my trouble. Not to mention the money. Marvel, put my journals down. Don't you dare touch those. You'll have to catch me first. Oh, so help me, I'll hunt you down. I'll wring your neck, Marvel. Give me back my books. I'm going to kill you, Marvel. I'm coming after you.
Which now brings us to our fair town of Port Stowe, where some of you sitting here today were actually the first to spot Marvel as he raced by in a mad panic. As you remember, Marvel clutched his journals and jingled like a well-filled purse as he ran into town. He looked neither right nor left, but straight down the road. His breathing was labored and noisy, and his mouth foamed. Those returning home for the evening could only gawk at the spectacle. Run! Run for your lives! There's an invisible man chasing me! Run for your lives! There's an invisible man coming! Get out of the way! Run! Lock your doors, I tell you! It's invisible! There's an invisible man chasing me! Run! Run for your lives! Fifty yards behind Marvel, Mrs. Spackman's dog, who was lying on the road, suddenly yelped in pain and ran back into her house. A flock of birds unexpectedly scattered, and then a sound like heavy panting, and a slight breeze brushed past those who were watching from the sidewalk, all quite unexplained. No one could have imagined in our little borough of 2,000 that an invisible man had arrived, and a reign of terror was about to be unleashed. As you well know, the Jolly Cricketeer's public house is just at the bottom of the hill where the train line begins. Simon the bartender was about to serve me a bite to eat when... Uh, pass me the salt, will you? Here's your lunch, Inspector. Yeah. What's going on out there? Oh, it might be a fire. Uh. <laughs> He's after me! He's after me! Hey, 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 what are you doing there? Who's after you? What's the row? He's going to kill me, for God's sake. He's going to kill me! Who is going to kill you? The invisible man! The what? I'm locking this door. Don't open the door. Now, please, please, don't open the door. You've got to hide me. Somewhere. Don't worry. I'll shoot him with this. Not while I'm here, you won't. You put that gun away. That's murder, Simon. Then I'll shoot his legs. Hey, that's my front window. Someone just broke my new window, but I didn't see him. Of course you didn't. Don't worry. The door's locked. You're safe in here. Oh, you don't know him. I've felt his boot. He's a crafty one. He is and meaner than... What was that? Good Lord, the back door. Oh, God save me. God save calm me. Calm down. Just calm down. I'll have a look for myself. I wouldn't be so carefree if I were you. Oh, I've been punched. Uh, Inspector, are you? In look at my bar. What is happening to my bar? Marvel, give me my journal. Help. Help. He's got my feet. Let go. You. He's being dragged out of the room. Help me. Come on. Grab him. Grab him. Now pull. Pull, pull harder! I've got a good hold on him now! Ah, you're tearing me apart! And let go of my journals, you idiot! The invisible man let go his grip on the vagabond, sending both Simon and me flying backwards. Before we could get to our feet, a heavy wooden chair launched itself across the room and with uncanny precision smashed us both across the face. Stay out of my way, you meddling fools. This man is mine. Help me. Oh, for God's sake, somebody help me. All right, Marvel. Let go of my property and I'll kill you on the spot. Oh, no, you won't. Put that revolver down. Take this. No. Don't, don't shoot. You'll hit me. Let's stand still then. Stop. Oh, God help me. I'm getting out of here. Stay where you are. 
I've questions for you. Not today. Never mind him. Get that invisible thing. He's a, he's around here somewhere. I told you not to discharge that firearm. My bar was being destroyed. You still don't go around shooting bullets in the midair. If you'd have hit that old man, you'd have a mighty hard time explaining yourself. To who? To the judge. Now put the gun down. Let's feel around for the body. You take that side. I'll try over here. And be careful. I don't feel anything. Hello. Huh? Look at this. What? It's blood. Let me see that. Hmm. You're right. It wasn't there a moment ago. Right again. And it leads to the back door. I knew I hit something. That you did. And it's an easy trail to follow, I dare say. Less than 15 minutes later, at the home of a certain professor in town, the doorbell rang. But when he answered it, there was no one there. He went back to his laboratory. It was after midnight when this certain professor finished his work. He poured himself a nightcap and ascended the stairs to his bedroom. As he turned the door handle, he was surprised to find it moist and sticky. He withdrew his hand and examined it. It was blood-stained. Cautiously, he entered the room. The first thing he noticed was his bed. The covers had been disturbed. He moved closer. The feather mattress was sunken as if someone were lying upon it. He moved closer still. The bed sheets were torn and blood-stained. As he bent over the bed, he thought he actually heard breathing. Is somebody here? <laughs> nice to see you again, Dr. Kim. Guess who? Oh, you can do better than that. Let me help you. It's your former protege, the young man who would have won the medal for chemistry and been a doctor by now if it hadn't been for his lying, thieving professor. <laughs> Griffith, that's right. An outlaw. You were going to hunt me down, weren't you? Looks like the tables are turned, Kemp. You've done it. Not quite. Where just moments earlier Kemp had been preparing to retire for the evening, now every particle of his being was aflame with a combination of fear and curiosity. Within an instant, he was brutally pushed out of the room, down the stairs, and back into his laboratory, where he was thrown to the floor. Oh, oh my God! How far have you gotten? Oh, you nearly, you nearly broke my arm! Where are you in your research? Answer me! Uh, what do you mean? Don't play dumb. Oh, well, well, clearly not as far as you. Where are your notes? Show them uh, to me. They're there. They're there on the table next to you. <laughs> oh. Quite a twist, isn't oh. it, Kemp? Me looking at your notes? What? Oh. Is this it? Good God, you're an imbecile. Oh. You've hardly made any progress at all. Well, I've, I've, I've been trying. I've worked on... Have you I've, tried calcium hypochlorite? Only on, on simple organisms. I've, 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 I've had some success, though. I've, I've, I've been... But they died, didn't they? A blind alley. Yes. 
Then I suppose you went on to sodium thiosulfate. Well, of course. It's, it's the next logical step. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, you know I would. And now here is where we part. I see you wasted your time with hydrocarbons, yeah. where I made the leap into post-organics. Why, of course. Don't be patronizing. You wouldn't have come by it in a million years. But now, whether you like it or not, you and I are going to stay here in your laboratory, such as it is, oh. until I've been made visible again. But, but, but don't, don't... Quiet! You're lucky you're alive. Now, see here. Shut up! It's only because I need you that you're still breathing. You have no idea of the incalculable misery that has been visited upon me these last few months. And it's all because of you. I've discovered it's one thing to play a practical joke on the world for a few days. It's quite another when the joke becomes a lifetime of torment. But it's a marvelous discovery you've made. It's revolutionary. <laughs> Indeed, there was a time that I would have agreed with you. But there are problems. After all, who's to tell if an earthworm feels pain? What is the process, Griffin? How is it accomplished? By changing optical density. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, not quite... See that red box over there? Yes. You perceive the box as red because it absorbs every color in the spectrum except red, which it reflects back to us. Of course. But think for a moment as I did. What if the box, instead of being red, were clear glass? And what if you placed that clear glass box in a clear liquid, say, water? It stands the reason that the box and the liquid, both of the same refractive index, would seem to disappear. I understand. But surely this applies only to clear, inanimate objects. What about jellyfish and sea larvae? They are essentially a glass box in a transparent medium. Well... Yes? Yes. Now apply my principium to land-based animals. If you could change an animal's cells so that they had the same optical density as glass or water or air, those cells would become as limpid as a jellyfish. Nonsense. A man is not a jellyfish. No, no. But he can be as transparent. How? Have you forgotten your biology? The human body is 98% water. Ah... Uh. Yes. <laughs> Remember the night I disappeared? Of course. Thanks to you. That was the beginning. Awkward, temporary, superficial, but nevertheless the first step. Weeks later in the garret I was forced to occupy after you drummed me out of school, I hit upon a method of removing color from red blood cells permanently and still having them retain their biological function. You what? It was much more dangerous than what I discovered at school, but the effect was spectacular. One night I decided to have some fun in the name of science. Mm. My landlady's lean white cat happened to come meowing at my door. And? You... You process her? Yes. But it ultimately failed. The cat died? No. <laughs> Only in a matter of speaking. Well, what did you do? Well, first I rendered the cat quiet. What a pleasure to be relieved of its incessant meowing. Then I administered the bleaching agent. I had the exquisite gratification of watching the opiated cat disappear from sight. How long did it take? Moments. Moments. But that was only the first stage, no different from what I had done in school. It was the next procedure 
that had the effect I was looking for. And? Unfortunately, it was not perfect. What still remained visible were a pair of green and forlorn eyes floating about in midair. Extraordinary. So mournful was her meowing that I resolved to put her out of her misery. Have you any idea how hard it is to catch an invisible cat? Luckily for both of us, she escaped out an open window and into her own private hell. You mean to say there's an invisible cat at large? I'm not sure. But a few days later, I saw a crowd gathered around a tree trying to see where the meowing was coming from. <laughs> it's probably dead by now. This is quite unbelievable. Was it then that you tried it on yourself? Yes. Yes. Bolstered by my previous experiments and the partial success of the cat, I began a series of incremental treatments, each more painful than the last, until I progressed beyond albino to a state of translucence. It then struck me that while cats may have nine lives, I might not be nearly as fortunate. I mean, how many more treatments could I endure before I crossed over into eternity? It was at this juncture that I decided I needed another subject. Someone readily available, but whom society could easily forget. Hello, handsome. You got a light? Oh, uh, yes, of course. Oh. Well, look at you, white as a sheet. You get outdoors much? Not lately. Well, then I'll bet you're looking for a good time. What would you consider a good time? Anybody who pays cash and doesn't leave any visible marks. In that case, we're made for each other. Oh, good. Now, buy me a drink, lovey. She was fair-skinned and blonde, a, a natural blonde, as I discovered. And she was rather fond of gin, as I also discovered. You know, gin has a curious property. Its pungent flavor disguises any number of substances. Here you are, my dear. Say, what kind of gin is this? Oh, it's, it's just the normal blend of juniper berries, orange peels, coriander, alcohol, and laudanum. Laudanum? Ain't that some kind of drug? Yes, it's an opiate. Oh, I, I've heard about men like you. You were a defenseless girl to their room. Slip something into her drink. Don't worry, Luffy. You won't feel the thing. Uh, and when you wake up, you'll be the envy of the neighborhood. The envy of the neighborhood? Really? Oh, wait till everybody sees me. Don't count on it. After a week of experimenting on her, I had what I needed. And and then what? What do you think? You. You murdered her. You're mad. No. I'm invisible. And I'm hungry. What's that over there? It's the remainder of my supper. But I, I, I can fetch something else in the <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> do you take me for a fool? Just hand it over. This is the most amazing story I've ever heard. Keep listening, Kemp. And you'll get a real education from me. Oh, by the way, watch while I eat. As you can see, food shows clear through me until it's digested. Interesting medically, but inconvenient socially. If it bothers you, 
hand me the smock. Yes, it's yes, it's it's it's, it, it's a little uh, here. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I got blood on your bed sheets. Are you badly hurt? I can't tell. Only a scratch. The bartender in your town is somewhat overzealous. It's a nuisance. The blood gets visible as it coagulates. I first discovered it when that idiot Marvel threw me into the brambles, tried to steal my money, did steal my money, curse him, and my journals. Is he... is he invisible too? No. And where are these journals now? The tramp. Marvel has them. Oh. Oh, that's... that's... that's terrible. Your work will be discovered. Not easily. They're in cipher. My own code. Oh, I see. But we must hunt him down. I must have my journals! Yes, yes, most certainly. We will look for them tomorrow when you're stronger. Now, please, eat. After the invisible man had devoured the food, he demanded a cigar. He bit the end savagely before Kemp could find a knife and cursed when the outer leaf loosened. It was just as strange to see him smoking as eating. His mouth, throat, and pharynx all became visible as they filled with whirling smoke. Now, Griffin, you must tell me more about the process. The process, Griffin. I can't hope to help you if I don't know exactly how you did it. <laughs> you'd like that, wouldn't you, Kemp? God knows you'd never figure it out for yourself. But I suppose you'll have to know sooner or later. After I had disposed of the girl, I fortified myself with drink and initiated the procedure. It was a night of anguish. Injection after injection. My skin, my body were afire. But I stuck to it. This time I was going deeper than I had ever gone before. I could feel the essence of my being transformed by the treatment. Eventually the pain robbed me of my consciousness and I fainted. The next morning I awoke to the glare of the sun and was exhilarated to realize that I was seeing it through closed eyelids. Imagine that. I was totally transparent. Those first few moments were ones of exquisite exploration. Actions you take for granted became for me an invigorating challenge. Can you conceive of looking at a room through your hands? Or observing the cushion of the very chair you're sitting on through the top of your thighs? I had achieved my goal. I was invisible. It was then that I decided to burn the house down. You what? Why not? I could do anything. And who would stop me? I was beyond the law, beyond good and evil. Don't look at me like that. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. Go on. Bounding down the stairs to escape the fire, I stumbled twice. Have you ever tried negotiating stairs when you can't see your feet, or gripping the door latch with a hand you can't perceive? Once on the street, I, I dodged through the crowd, flung people's hats, trod on their toes, upturned apple carts, had a bit of fun. But I had hardly made my way down the avenue when I was bumped from behind by a man carrying a cart of bottled water. Imagine that! Of course, he couldn't see me. I was invisible. What a delirium of emotions I experienced. My excitement went on for an hour until I began to shiver with cold. After all, I was naked, and it was January. 
foolish as it seems now, I had not reckoned that transparent or not, I was still vulnerable to the weather and all its consequences. Yes. Go on. In search of clothes, I took refuge in a emporium, entering when a customer opened the door and carefully making my way upstairs where I, I hid until closing time. When I was finally alone, I ransacked a number of boxes and drawers and found trousers and socks and a thick comforter and an overcoat and a slouched hat with a brim turned down. In the toy department, I nicked some dummy noses, wigs, and spectacles to complete my disguise. I began to feel like a human again. For the rest of the night, I slept with a sense of physical serenity until I was awakened in the morning by conversation. I scrambled to my feet, which drew the attention of two young clerks. All hands to the doors! All hands to the doors! Lock the door! Lock the door! They tried to catch me. Of course they didn't. Now, Kemp, you may think that all this was a lark devoutly to be wished. And for a while it was. But as the days turned into weeks, the disadvantages of my condition became more obvious. You see, my invisibility was only useful when I had my clothes off. When naked, I... I cannot go about in snow. It settles on me and exposes my shape. Rain, too, makes a watery outline. In fog, I walk about like a bubble in water. In city air, the grit and grime fall upon my skin and I'm easily detected. I have no shelter, no real place to call my own, no, no way to carry money or earn it, no, no way to interact with the world. Above all, I can't be around those I love. It would be too unpleasant, too discomforting. As you see, I desperately need to return to my original form. How then, Griffin, did you survive this long? What? How did you survive this long? I, I, I just kept stealing. Desperation is the mother of invention. That's how I acquired equipment, paid for lodging, fed myself. But when I was no longer able to do that, thanks to the prying eyes of an innkeeper, I was forced to move away and find other means. What other means? You. You, my dear Kemp. We have our work cut out for us. I must get back to visibility. I must figure a means of reversing the process. That is why I am here. And that is what you and I will devote our every waking hour to discover. I shall be both visible and invisible at will. And then I shall wage a war on ignorance, a war on stupidity. It shall be a reign of terror. Killing. What? Killing? Of course it's shocking, but it has to be done. But I I, I thought you wanted... I, no, I, I didn't realize it. You don't understand. I shall choose at will. I shall create an army of invisible souls. But the ordeal you described... The chemicals, the pain. The pain of transformation shall be a small inconvenience for the power I shall accumulate. You shall be my collaborator, Kemp, and my servant. Think of the possibilities. I am, Griffin. But why the killing? Not wanton killing, but judicious slaying. And only those who deserve it. Those who mislead the masses or take advantage of them. 
politicians, lawyers, the odd minister who mistakes his own ambitions for the word of God. We can rid the world of hypocrisy, Kemp, and then make it ours, a world of science, science over superstition, reason over religion. Right, now, now listen to me, Griffin. You're tired. You ought to rest. Rest? I shall never rest. An invisible man cannot be too careful. What was I saying? Griffin, you're exhausted. You aren't even thinking clearly. Yes, yes, I must have a partner. You and I. But, but before, I pardon you. A partner pardons. <laughs> we shall do such things. Can't we talk about this later? Understand me, Kemp. No attempt to hamper me or betray me. I give you my word. What was that? Someone's at the door. You told them. Who? How could I even know? Who else knows I'm here? No one, I should think. Don't move. I must answer it. Everyone knows I'm in residence. Professor Camp, are you there? Be silent. Use your head, Griffin. If I don't answer, he'll think something's amiss. Professor. All right. All right, answer the door. But get him to go away. Your life depends on it. As Kemp made his way to the front door, he momentarily looked back and saw Griffin hastily removing his smock. He also noticed a heavy pewter candlestick lifting itself off a table and floating a few yards behind him. <laughs> Good morning, Constable. Oh, there you are, Dr. Kemp. I know it's rather early. Yes, 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 it is. I, I was, I was just dressing. And well, what, what can I do for you? We're doing the search of the neighborhood, but given as you're rather prominent, I thought I'd pay you a visit personally. Left my junior officer and the dogs at the bottom of the lane. Mm, how kind of you, yes. How considerate. Um, what's the problem? We had an unusual occurrence in town last night. Really? Well, this may sound far-fetched to a man of your education, Professor, but there's, um, there's an invisible man in the neighborhood. Well, well what of it? Is, is it a crime to be invisible? I don't think so. But it's a crime to break property. Moreover... Now, what does this have to do with me? If you let me finish. I witnessed this invisible fellow attack a vagabond in the pub. Tried to tear him apart, he did. Ranting all the while about journals... Poor man was frightened out of his wits. I don't know what this has to do with me. So, if you'd let me get back to my work, I, 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 I'd be most appreciative. Yes, 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 yes. But before I do that, I was wondering if you might explain something I noticed as I walked up the path just now. What? Rather unusual. Yes. A trail of footprints. Bare footprints, mind you. Leading straight to your front door. How might you explain that? Well, uh, I... Uh... I have no idea. You're not in the habit of running about in this weather without shoes, are you? Of course not. Also, might you have an explanation for this stain on the door handle? I, 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 I don't know what you mean. I'd say given my years of experience, it looks like blood. Wouldn't you agree? I'm not as well versed in matters of blood as you are. Just what sort of research are you doing, Professor? Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, working in the area of... Uh, Invisibility, I'm told. Yes. Uh, no, no. I, I, I mean, only in a manner of speaking. Theoretically speaking. Professor, 
Where were you yesterday about evening time? How dare you? I was right here in my laboratory, and I was deep in research of the sort you would never understand. No need to get patronicious with me, Professor. I'm just doing my job. But I have to ask you to step aside now while I take a look in your house. No, 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 stay out. Oh, for God's sake, he's here. He's here, he's behind me. He's got a candle to go down. Oh, no. Betray me again, will you? Take that. Take that. Stop it. Stop it. So, so, Inspector, we meet again. Stop that or I'll bash your head in two. Got you. Drop it now. Up here, everybody. Give yourself up. Not on your life. Stand back or I'll shoot. Not if you can't find me. That's a warning. <laughs> you missed me. Where are you? Right here. He's escaped. The invisible man has escaped. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. The invisible man rushed from Kemp's house in a state of blind fury. Pursued by myself, my junior officer Flannery, and two hounds. Not only did he elude us, but he found the opportunity to seize a little girl playing near the churchyard and throw her aside so violently she broke her ankle. Such was his state of mind. Within hours, as you all know, we had at least three dozen men searching the countryside and thrashing the air for any sign of the invisible man. It was conjectured he might have removed himself from the area by getting aboard a rail train, but after 2 p.m., that route of escape became impossible as every passenger train out of the district was suspended. And so, in a great circle around Port Stowe, men armed with guns and long staffs scoured the countryside for a prey we could not see. And now we come to the most regrettable part of the entire case. Mr. Wicksteed. Of course, we can know nothing of the actual circumstances that led to his death, but those of us who came upon the scene had no trouble reaching the conclusion that it was the work of the invisible man. The murder occurred in a thicket on the edge of a gravel pit not 200 yards from the reservoir. Clearly there had been a desperate struggle. The trampled ground, the numerous wounds, a splintered walking stick. But why he had been attacked in such a vicious frenzy is impossible to fathom. As you know, Mr. Wicksteed was a man of inoffensive habits and appearance, the very last person in the world to provoke such antagonism. Against him, the assailant used an iron bar torn from a broken fence nearby. He savagely attacked this quiet, retiring tradesman, beat him down, broke his arm, and smashed his head to jelly. Killing was shocking in the extreme, and if any good came of it, it was that it served to galvanize our community. However, to those of us who saw it firsthand, it was the work of a monster. The only other report that day of the invisible man was of a disembodied voice heard at sunset by two workmen fixing a wall near Bartlett's farm. I don't mind telling you now that I was as frightened as the rest of you. But with the help of many townspeople, the countryside by nightfall was totally mobilized. The invisible man found every house, shop, and public place locked and secured. At the railway station and the pub, proclamations were posted. The hunt was on. 
No relief was afforded him from any quarter. At night, we can only speculate that he was forced to sleep in the most degrading and unsheltered of locations. And in the mornings, he competed with animals to forage for food. This went on for two days. Yet despite this intense pursuit, by sheer force of will and determination, the invisible man survived and grew even bolder. Don't answer it, Professor Kemp. Let me handle this. Who is it? It's Peter. I have a letter for Dr. Kemp. Good God, it's Peter delivering the mail during a time like this. Don't open it any further than you need. Right you are. <laughs> Come in, quickly, Peter. Yes, sir. Here's your letter, Professor. No more deliveries, Peter, until this murderer's found. Well, sir, you know what they say about the mail. Peter, this is serious. Listen to this. You are against me. You have tried to rob me of rest and nourishment. But I have eaten in spite of you and slept in spite of you. I announce the epoch of the invisible man and my reign of terror. There has already been one execution. By nightfall, there shall be another. You may lock yourself away, surround yourself with guards, but death is coming. Let me see that. Hmm. Written on butcher's paper. What's the postmark? Port Stowe. That proves he's still close. Peter, I want you to go home and lock your door. I'll send one of my men with you to make sure that you're safe. There will be no more mail deliveries until the situation is resolved. Is that understood? Right you are, Inspector. Right, go on. Flannery! Walk Peter home and tell Blythe to send as many men as he can spare to surround this house. Double quick! Now then, Dr. Kemp, we need to take this letter very seriously. Are all the windows locked tight? I'll check again. Especially upstairs. How's your head? Well, it's still on. Fine. Now, this might be our chance, Kemp. We now know that he's here. And if you don't object to being used as bait, oh. we'll catch this rascal once and for all. Now, Flannery should be back with extra men within an hour or so. All right. I'll see to the windows. Good man. Well, Griffin, it's an odd game you're playing, but the odds are all for me this time. In spite of your invisibility, I don't envy you. Did you really sleep last night? Was the food enough? What if it rains? You can't survive for long. The house is secured, Inspector. Good. I guess it's just... just a matter of waiting. Now. Yes, Professor, it's just a matter of waiting. Little did we know that at that moment the Invisible Man was nowhere near Port Stowe. He was ten miles away, peering silently into the window of a modest summer cottage. Oh, I don't know about you, but I didn't have a very good night's sleep last night, Henry. Stayed up the whole night listening to the sounds of the house and your snoring. And I don't think I'm going to sleep very well tonight either. What's that? Are you listening to me? Yes. You'll sleep well tonight with Rebecca here. Well, of course, but that's not what I meant. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the invisible man. About what? The invisible man. Oh, I should say so. Yes, the whole town of Fort Stowe is being held hostage. Let me see that. Good heavens! On the front page, no less. Rebecca, come in here. Have you seen the newspaper? No, Mother, I've been unpacking. Well, you should see this. Coming. Didn't you go to school with a young man named Herbert Griffin? Yes. He's wanted for murder. What? 
it's impossible. Let me see. Where, where are you going with my paper? To my room. I want to read this in private. Take the bed linens, then. No use wasting a trip. Never liked that young man. Had a bad feeling about him. Didn't even know she knew him. What's his name? Oh, you poor tormented soul. What have you done? Herbert, is it is it you? Is it you, Herbert? Open the window. Where are you? Right in front of you. <gasps> please, please don't be afraid. I mean no harm. But a flower, darling, a spring flower for you. Only this time it's visible, and I'm not. Herbert, is it true what they say in the papers? It's too late. There's no turning back now. Don't say that. I told you I'd come back. I I, I told you I'd see you again, didn't I? Yes, you did. I keep my promises, don't I? Yes. Oh, how I curse the day that I chose science instead of you. I was a man. You must give yourself up, darling. They'll understand. Not when I'm finished, they won't. Herbert, listen to me. Whatever you've done can be undone. Undone. <laughs> I have already suffered the torments of the damned to have this all undone. You have no idea of the pain, the anguish I have caused. Yes, I. I... I, I understand. I I have crossed over, Rebecca. I'm no longer of this world. I don't even exist. I have meddled in things best left untouched. I know that now, and I can't help myself. I will help you. Come back to me. Together we will face this. You know, I do believe that there's a small part of me that is actually still Herbert Griffin. Only I don't know where to look. I have become invisible, even to myself. Bye, Rebecca. No, I love you. I still love you. There's nothing more to say. No, don't go. Don't leave. I said that I would come back, and I did. No one can say that the Invisible Man doesn't keep his promises. Herbert, I have your hand. I won't let you go. I'm holding on to you tight. It's no use. Oh, don't scare me. I have an appointment with a certain arrogator that I, I mustn't keep him waiting. Herbert. The circle. The circle is about to close. Herbert, hold on to me. Don't go. Don't slip away. Herbert. Herbert. The invisible man took his time getting back to Kemp's house. It was already late in the afternoon. There was no sign of Flannery or the men I'd asked for, and I was beginning to get very nervous that something may have happened. What time is it, Professor? It's uh, it's half past four. Oh, brother, Flannery should have been back by now. Do, do, do you think it's possible that Gr Griffin? I don't know what to think. But if we lose the advantage of daylight, we are sunk. Do you have a revolver in the house? Yes, I do. Get it and carry it with you. I already have. It's here in my pocket. Good. Now I'm going back to town to find out what's going on. As long as you keep the house securely locked, you'll be in no danger. But, but if you hear a noise, no matter how familiar, be prepared to fire. Oh no. I'll identify myself when I return. So, for God's sakes, don't shoot all me. All right, all right. I understand. Now, open the door. Careful. Oh, all right. Brace yourself against it. Oh, all right. I'll squeeze out. That's far enough. Now, remember what I told you. Yes, yes. Now, close the door, quickly. You can stop right there, Inspector. Griffin? Give me your gun. Good. Now turn around. 
You'll never get away with this. Don't try any games with me. Remember, I can see you, but you can't see me. We're going back, back to the house. He won't let me in. He knows it might be you pulling a trick. Well, it's a pity because I have no quarrel with you. Turn yourself in, Griffin. We'll get you help. The best doctors. I am the best doctor. Now turn around and go back to the house. I'm afraid that won't be possible. <clears throat> As you like, Inspector. I think it's safe to say I didn't see it coming, but I certainly felt it. A punch to the jaw, resulting in the most peculiar sensation of having the ground rise up and hit me again. Griffin then headed straight for the house. Camp, camp! You think you're safe, don't you? Well, you're not. You're trapped, and I'm going to pry you out if I have to tear the house apart stone by stone. Where will I attack next, Kemp? Your laboratory, your dressing room, the attic. There's no way out. I have a gun, Griffin. So have I. And I'm coming to get you, Kemp. Stop, Griffin. Stop or I'll shoot. Griffin. Griffin. Damn it, Griffin. What will you have me do? Tell me. Do you hear me, Griffin? Answer me. Let's 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 just talk about it. It's sensible, like I, I I can I can do that. Just talk to me. Just, just tell me where where you are. Where are you? Here. Now over here. Not quite, Kemp. Two more shots, Kemp. Save one for yourself. Oh God, Griffin! Oh God, Griffin! Don't do this. It's, it's, it's is it a confession you want? You, you, you want me to say I stole your notes? Very well. I stole your notes. I confess. I promise, Griffin. I'll commit my savings, my life, anything to make you visible again. Just, just spare me, please. Never. Put the gun down, Griffin. Why, Inspector? You surprised me. I thought you were down for the count. A little worse for the wear, maybe, but still here. Now drop the gun away from his head. Never. My men have arrived, Griffin. They've surrounded the house. You'll never get away. Who's to say I want to? I heard Kemp just now. The truth is out. There's no need to kill him. His reputation is ruined. I'll see to that. Now put the gun down. Thank you for being my witness, Inspector. My, my situation is ultimately a bit more complicated. Flannery, come in here. Yes, sir. Train your rifle about a foot and a half to the left and two feet down from the revolver floating next to the professor's head. Yes, sir. I'm not going to fool around with you, Griffin. There's no way out. Drop the gun. Don't be so sure of that, Inspector. There's always a way out, and I think I've just found it. What do you mean? He's turning the gun this way. Point the gun down, Griffin, or we'll have to shoot. Point it down. Don't be a fool. He's going to kill us. Don't do this, Griffin. Goodbye, Inspector. Stop! 
He was pointing right at me. He was. He was going to shoot me, Inspector. I swear he was. I'm, I'm wounded. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, here. Shut I'm up. I'm here. Shut up. You're not even scratched. Now be quiet. Everyone be quiet. Herbert. Herbert. Stand Where back, miss. Inspector. Be quiet, everyone. Now search around on the floor. Here. He's here. Huh? I can feel him. I think I've got his leg. Let me see. You're right. I can feel his face. I can feel his... Oh. His side. Oh, his side feels as though it's been torn open. Oh, out of my way. Let me hold him. Herbert, can you hear me? Can, can, can you hear me, darling? Shh, quiet, everyone. Rebecca. Yes, my love. I, I found the way back. What do you mean? I found the way back to you. My God, look at him. Look what's happening. He's reappearing. Rebecca, I love you. I love you. I love you too, darling. And so, starting with his hands and feet and creeping along his limbs to the center of his body, the invisible man became visible again. First came the fingernails, then a hazy gray sketch of a limb. Then the glassy bones and intricate arteries began to appear. After that, the flesh and skin growing ever more opaque. By and by, we could see his crushed chest and his shoulders and the dim outline of his drawn and battered features until at last, what lay before us was the naked pitiful, bruised, and broken body of a young man, about thirty. His hair and beard were white, not with age, but white with the whiteness of albinism. In death, his hands were clenched tight. His eyes were wild, and the expression on his face was of both anger and despair. <laughs> Cover his face! For God's sakes, cover his face. So ends the strange and twisted tale of the invisible man. His death should be a lesson to us all. In science, as in life, there are things best left unexplored. As for the journals and the dark secrets they contain, they have utterly disappeared. And I am confident in saying that mankind is better served without them. The last thing we need is another invisible man. It's a day to drown frogs. Oh, a little something to warm the blood. Nice straw bed. And now, my treasures, my journals. Where are you, my books, my journals, my friends? There you are. Are you ready to talk to 
to me tonight to spill your secrets. Ingy, bingy, dingy, doo. I'm going to be as invisible as you. <laughs> Hex, little two up in the air, crossing a fiddle did deed. No. <laughs> what a one he was for intellect full of secrets. Wonderful secrets. And once I get the hang of them, whoo! Look, and I, I wouldn't do what he did. No, sir, Reba. It would work for me. It would better than the lottery at Christmas. All the places I'd go and the things I'd do and the people I'd get even with. Oh, yes. Ingy, bingy, dingy, do. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> You have heard The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. The cast in alphabetical order included Susan Bay, John DeLancey, Richard Doyle, Robert Ellenstein, Jerry Harden, Marnie Moseman, Kate Mulgrew, Leonard Nimoy, Ethan Phillips, Dwight Schultz, and Nana Visitor. Post-production supervisor was the wonderful Jeff Howell. Editing and sound design were done by the amazing John Chaminsky. Original musical score was composed and performed by the marvelous Peter Erskine and recorded at Puck Productions in Santa Monica, California. The script was wonderfully written by Nat Segaloff and John DeLancey and directed by John DeLancey. The Invisible Man was produced by Alien Voices Incorporated for Simon & Schuster Audio. If you enjoyed The Invisible Man, we invite you to encounter other Alien Voices productions. The Time Machine... Journey to the Center of the Earth, and the Lost World. Visit our website at www.alienvoices.com. This is Leonard Nimoy.